This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. I have the best seat in the house because I have conversations with incredibly fascinating leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And the reason that is very important is because each one of us have a unique journey. We start at different points, our destination is different, our choice of path is different, and that's the reason these unique points of view are very important. And this whole thing is about winning big. Winning is fun, but winning big makes it sustainable long-term impact. Yesterday, I learned from Charles Duguet that it's winning big is not about the mega wins. It's about the long-term transformational wins. And in that spirit today, I'm really honored to have a conversation with Yanis Marty, the CEO for Hotels by Day, a booking platform for daytime hotel inventory. Yanis has a rich background of 15 years of travel, 15 years in travel from guiding tours in Europe as a young age to co-founding an exotic travel agency and then directing a New York-based global tour operator company. When I first got a chance to know Yanis, my first of all, my mind just went, whoa, because there are so many ways, find different ways to sell current hotel inventory. Yanis has found a niche which right away made me feel, wow, why didn't I think of that? And the moment you feel in life that moment, why didn't I think about it? You need to get to know that person. Yanis is that person. So Yanis, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you so much, Arjun. It's a pleasure to be here. So Yanis, let's just go straight into Hotels by Day, an amazing journey. So tell me, what was the reason for this journey? You know, can you go back to that one moment where you realize that the world needs this and you are the person to offer this to the world? Absolutely. Uh, I remember I was in my desk in my office as a tour operator and a travel agent. And um, I recall uh, having an increasing amount of customers that wanted flexibility where their hotel stays. They basically, you know, we, we have erratic fly behaviors of which we land and depart at whatever hour. And yet with hospitality, you are stuck to uh, not checking in anytime sooner than 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. And you must leave the next day by 11 a.m. latest. And that rigidity was becoming more and more of an issue with our customers that traveled a lot or that landed super early, wanted to go straight into their hotel rooms. And um, it was just very hard to get. Uh, every time that we wanted to get a little bit of flexibility, we were just being refused by it. Mm -hmm. And so it, it led me to get into the phone and to talk to front desk managers and general managers and say, hey, listen, you know, we're sending you a hundred, hundreds of bookings every year. Is it possible that in your 200 room hotel, you cannot swing one room for that customer who's a VIP of ours really trying to please? And then... The answer one day was like, hey, I've got all the rooms in the world. It's just that I don't have the technology. Mm -hmm. I don't have the protocol. I don't have the operation set up for me to be able to process flexibility 
So I prefer to refuse it. And I was like, whoa, like it came as an avalanche. It's like, how is it that you're refusing business mm-hmm. in, an indus- in an environment, in an economy that we were at at that time, five, six, seven years ago, in which uh, sharing economy, Airbnb was like on fire, right? It still is on fire. But at that time, everybody was talking about it. It's a sharing economy of making the most out of unutilized spaces. Mm-hmm. And so here are hotels having a ton of inventory during the day that is just sitting for the night stay customer to come in around 7 or 8 p.m. because that's about 30% of their check-ins. It's late at night. Um, so sharing economy, on-the-go economy, on-demand economy, and yet hotels that are supposed to be hospitable was becoming inhospitable because of the fact that they were rigid in an economy that today couldn't understand that. Um, so that came as a flash and I was like, I, we, somebody's got to do something about it. And I was like, well, let it be me. So I quit my job and launched Hotels by Day in 2015. I love that. Why not me is the journey because many a time we find problems and we discuss, but we never go to that. And, you know, as you we were talking about it, it just dawned on me that every other aspect of travel is flexible. Mm-hmm. I can usually fly out anywhere based on the airport from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or even red eyes. Yeah, yeah, 24 I can hours. rent a car anytime I get there. Okay, so yeah. rental car doesn't tell me that you have to wait till you know 3 p.m. for you to <laughs> get your car, you know, and just hang out somewhere here and get free water. So to me, I think that was huge. The second thing, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm just looking at what you're doing is not just for hotels or travelers. There's some bigger message about hospitality because the customer was getting refused. And what I also learned when you were making the phone call, yes was becoming an exception, not by default. Like hospitality should have yes in it, like, and the final part was when you found that it's not that the hotels were against it, they just did not know how to connect. I'm just thinking there's unutilized space, which is surplus inventory. On the other side is an unmet need. There's this missing piece of a puzzle that connects both and both can win. And that's where you came in. I love this, absolutely love it. So to me, now that you had this idea, you and I both know having an idea is the easiest part. From there to make it into a plan, to reality, to process, what was the journey like to make this a reality? What did it feel like when you got the first customer, a client of yours, a room during the day? How did it feel? Uh, before I answer that, I'd have to congratulate you, Arjun, for the clarity of analyzing a situation. I have to say, this is the second time we're talking today. And every time you amaze me on how clear, clear and how transparent a problem uh, is being, uh, 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 you know, voiced out in your mind. So, you know, I, I'd like to, again, applaud you for that. Thank you. Um, it's really a pleasure talking to you for that. Uh, in addition to many other things, of course. But um, so your question is, is uh, how did you make the idea into a reality, correct? Totally. And how did it feel when the first customer got the first hotel by day? What did it make you feel? 
extremely exhilarating, extremely thrilling. Uh, jumping through loops in the office, like just jump, jumping on 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 desks and chairs and being super excited. I, I do recall our first check as well from a hotel paying us the commission on on the first month of bookings, mm -hmm. and uh, that was also. Um, I wanted to frame it, but I needed the money, <laughs> so, nice. so we cashed it. Uh, but um, it was very exciting. Um, uh, the journey to get there was uh, was was quite difficult, of course, and it still is difficult. I mean, every day has its uh, challenges. So, what I loved is when you first thought of the idea with your clients, as when you were running this super cool travel agency. From there, you thought about why not me. From why not me, this I did it was really fascinating because I did it is when it's reality because, you know, think for a second, you know, so many things we think on a given day, why can't we do this? But most of the time we don't. So was there anything specific in that journey that you want to recall that you're really proud of that you went through a process or a steps to make it a reality? Yeah. Um... The journey of moving it from paper to reality, um, one of, that's actually a very good question. I think it was just a, a combination of just very, um, very positive uh, outcomes uh, of creating, you, you know, it, it, it's quite miraculous, mm -hmm. if I, I should say this, it's quite miraculous that just a, a, a short writing on a piece of paper uh, becomes a business plan, which then becomes uh, a financial estimate over five years, which then becomes a pitch to uh, a team member, which then becomes a, combi a combined pitch to investors, which then becomes a larger um, team uh, that you're putting together, which then becomes, um, looking for offices and uh, looking for uh, the right partner that to build the technology, uh, which then grows into the first bookings and the first partners, partner hotels that you actually sign up and then the first bookings. Um, and I would, I don't know exactly which major moment was the most, I was the most proud of. Mm -hmm. um, definitely the first customer uh, as in, as in the first guest, but also before that, also the first hotel that signed up was really momentous. You know, it was a big thing. Um, I have to say, I do recall those days of building this company as on the daily basis, seeing just a little bit, an extra layer mm -hmm. of that, of that, of that column of achievements that was getting established. It was getting stronger and stronger. And I do recall my sentiment of saying, this is absolutely marvelous that we're actually building it into reality. So mm -hmm. I was kind of stunned by that. You know, to me, that is fascinating because many a time you need the day-to-day -day incentives that we are making progress because otherwise it just looks like you're watching grass grow and nothing's happening, but seeing, having the vision of 
I love the beautifully you explained that the extra layers every day gets added on top, like you're building this mega infrastructure for future business and an industry, because you're not building a business, you're building an industry and a category. Seeing the little bit of progress, that's huge. Yeah. Any, and, yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. And that's how I keep on seeing the business. You know, uh, these days I have to say the, uh, problems that land on my inbox and the questions that are being raised are uh, overwhelming. But I tend to see the progress exactly how I saw it before, which is um, achieve that, that small progress that builds onto something that is essentially a seed that creates a stronger uh, established colon or, or rather a tree that Oh, sorry, a seed that creates a tree. Um, and then suddenly you've got a forest in front of you and you've built like a, a really strong um, established uh, protocols and basis and the technology and team and all that stuff. But it's really one small achievement at a time. And it can be overwhelming when you see the whole picture yeah. of all the things that you need to do, but then you just gradually work on it. But it's still good, overwhelming, seeing how much you have accomplished. Let me push you a little bit on the personal front. Yeah. You already had a comfortable job before, established. Like travel is in your DNA, you have already established, which means like most entrepreneurs in a journey, sometimes you feel obstacles and we all feel like we can give up. And the very fact you have a best, amazing backup plan to go back to. How did you deal with those adversity days how did you make sure you charged through and not just give up in that journey? Yeah. I think the one moment in which I almost gave up this business was towards the end of the first year of being uh, live. And that first year was extremely challenging, uh, mm -hmm. more than any other. And the one moment in which I said to myself, well, I might not give up on this is because at that time I was doing customer uh, calls. I was picking up customer calls and responding to customer emails and so essentially doing customer service. And I do recall how some customers were telling us that they really loved the idea, that they thought, oh my God, like I, I, this is amazing. This is better than sliced. As a matter of fact, that was exactly the quote, that this is better than sliced bread and that it really saves my travel schedule. Um, and with the overwhelming positive response that we're getting from our customer, I said to myself, I just can't quit on this. Uh, I need to go on a little bit further. And, and that little bit further turned out to six years later on. Um, and so, yeah, there were many moments in which I was like, oh, this is just becoming impossible. Yeah, it's just like, just as you stated, you know, I had a comfortable job, I had a comfortable, you know, standards of living. And then everything sinks around you, right? Your, 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 your financial basis that sinks, your friends, your friendship network sinks because you yeah. don't get to see them anymore. Yeah. Uh, your relationship with everybody is basically going down the drain. Mm -hmm. and, and you're saying to yourself, why is it that I'm doing all this for? Mm -hmm. And then having the customers actually telling you that they love it was the, the biggest achievement and the biggest satisfaction rather. And to me, I hear a lot of businesses when they position themselves, call themselves, we are better than sliced bread. 
But when a customer comes and tells you, now that is the big proof. And that's the part where the two phrases, I really think that each one of us crave to hear in the business world with a new idea is what you talked about. A customer comes and unsolicited telling you, I really love this. You are solving for something which I always needed. And secondly, you're better than sliced bread. And I really think that, you know, that whole validation along with self-belief really puts you at the next level. I want to take this conversation to a broader place of hospitality. Okay. I want to go back to what you have done is the hotels didn't want to say no. The person answering the phone in a hotel really does not wake up in the morning wanting to say no. You made a profitable way for hospitality, for businesses to say yes. Literally, when I'm listening to you, I see you are the man who's taking no away from hospitality. So just put that in perspective for me in the bigger picture of hospitality. You know, how does Yanis come to this? And how do you feel this thing in hospitality, which most of us missed our entire life? So, pardon me. So the question is, how is it that I was able to turn the no's into the yes into a hospitality Absolutely. environment? I'm sorry for being too verbose about in my excitement. Exactly. How did you see to turn no in hospitality into a yes for the big business? Okay. Um, well, there's the there's the mechanical achievement of just uh, you know essentially. Uh, I remember. Uh, we created a revenue calculator for hotels. And so we were telling them, we, we, we went into a call with them and then went into a whole very complex series of numbers of, uh, you know, this is your uh, average checkouts on the Mondays versus a Saturday. And this is your average uh, number of bookings based on occupancy. And this is your average rate. And this is your uh, the number of rooms that you have at your hotel, and and then we crunched the numbers, and we were trying to do it in front of them and impress them with numbers and all that stuff. And then I realized that the conversation is actually much simpler than that. As you stated, Arjun, they are going into their uh, work on a daily basis, wanting to please everybody, uh, and wanting to do the best that they can to please their customers, to please their shareholders that want more revenue out of the, the, the infrastructure, out of the real estate, um, out of everybody, right? Everybody wants more and to do more and to be able to please more. There's nobody in hospitality that I know and that have met that doesn't want to do the best that they can for their customers and for their guests. And so therefore, um, we discarded that revenue calculator fairly quickly within the first few months of selling because we realized that the broader aspect of being able to create a layer of flexibility and managing flexibility without impacting their overnight businesses was the, the, the bigger picture um, that we live in a society that nowadays does not have things uh, so rigid and so rigorous as before, where everything could have pl been planned in a very structured way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have to say, um, hospitality, uh, hospitality essentially in the last five years, but most in the last 10 years, but mostly in the last five years, 
uh, has gone through major, major changes, drastic changes. And now let's remember it's, it's possibly the oldest profession in the world, you know, lodging somebody in your, in your environment. Mm -hmm. um, some people like to joke it's the second oldest profession because once you after the first one you need a place to stay <laughs> so uh, so um, so they've been doing the same thing for millennia as far as I understand and here we are mm -hmm. in the last 10 years changing everything um, so I'm sorry I'm being as verbose as you are about an answer um, I started it that's totally yeah <laughs> the mechanical side of things is to essentially give the larger picture and to talk about the vision, talk about the idea of where we should be reaching into mm -hmm. hospitality. Uh, what's the goal? What's the objective? And the goal and the objective remains, as it was six years ago, remains the same today, which is to be able to, one, say yes, and, and two, make the most of what we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, here we are, a hotel is essentially um, architecturally a heavy uh, piece of building, right? Like you, it, 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 architecturally, it's costly to, to build. Operationally, it's costly to run. And all of that is being absorbed with only one segment of the demand, which is the overnight. Yeah. And so you're doing all of that for only one demand, the overnight, nothing else. And, and yet you leave uh, millions, if not billions of dollars of inventory being unused on a daily basis from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And guess what? Everybody is living at that time. Everybody's dynamic around that time. Uh, and, and a hotel is- There's a need. There's a need at that point of time. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. And the hotel is, 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 you know, you move around the hotel all, all day long, and yet you don't utilize it during the day. You only utilize it for a few hours to be able to sleep into and then leave the next day very early in the morning. It doesn't make sense to us. So that was the broader aspect and the broader picture that we wanted to convey to the hoteliers. So this is incredible. That what, as I'm listening to you, what I'm realizing is how Southwest Airlines totally disrupted the airline business by teaching us an airplane when it's in air is the only time it makes money and it changed the whole business model around it. The same way you're showing that hotels make money only when they're occupied. And when you're changing the occupation percentage, a percentage of hours occupied, it changes it. The second, I also think how you put it in perspective. Initially, I was like scared. I was not sure where you're going with it. But after you explained, I got it is, what you're doing is truly the oldest profession on this planet of hosting somebody when they are away from their home is one of those universal professions which has been there for, I don't know, 4,000 years maybe with a missing piece. And today, all of you are listening to this conversation with Yanis Motiv at Secrets to Win Big, who the CEO of Tells by Day, a booking platform for daytime hotel inventory is truly changing that profession and the mindset. And I also think this is a bigger lesson for all of us in hospitality is we don't want to say no, let's create a process to say yes. So Yanis, I would just, spin this conversation a little bit and take it to a place beyond travel. You being a super amazing leader, 
I want to ask you as a leader, what's your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? Uh, there's many advice, but if I have to Let's sum speak. it, yeah, if I have to sum it to one, I would say, listen, mm -hmm. listen carefully. Um, don't be rushed by the expediency of uh, life and of the issues that you're trying to solve. Uh, but listen and reflect. I think that's that's an important one. Okay. So why do businesses fail in your opinion? Um, they fail because of uh, mentality, I guess. Uh, mentality culture also plays into it. Um, so I've realized that uh, a lot flows through what I'm thinking mm -hmm. first and goes and, and, and permeates within the company, right? At various levels. And so I think mentality of the uh, founding team and the executive team that it then eventually permeates is, mm -hmm. is a very important uh, component in, uh, in, in, a, in, in every company, but I think very much in startup fields uh, mm -hmm. where you, know, you start from zero and then you try to grow as fast as possible. It's extremely challenging. And, um, and so the reason why it fails, I think it has a lot of to do with how you think, mm -hmm. essentially. So this, you know, your conversation is taking me back to an incredible golfer and, you know, one of the top guys ever. And as I was get a chance to play around with him, there was this huge water in front of me on a par three and I was trying to aim way right. So he asked me, what are you doing? I said, I was trying not to get the ball in the water. So what he helped me understand that we all, most probably the first word we all learned to ignore is the word no. When my parents told me, don't put your fingers in the electrical, I heard put your fingers in the electrical. And that's the reason, you know, I'm a little strange is, you know, those electric shocks that went through me. So I love what you're talking about is we by default get wired for no. And it's not just in hospitality. We don't want to say no, but it's the default that comes in. And how do you turn that into a yes for yourself in your journey to build this instead of giving up? Like no could have been very easy to take you back, but that positive, the yes, is very important. Mm -hmm. So with all your wisdom, Yanis, if you went back and talked to Yanis graduating from college, from high school, let's say, mm -hmm. if you could go back in time, what would be a piece of advice you would give that amazing kiddo who will have a great life ahead? The same advice that my mother gave me when I was growing up, but yet that I wasn't really incorporating, uh, mm -hmm. which is stop comparing yourself to anybody else. <laughs> you know, stop, stop being, uh, 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 you know, stop seeing yourself in the lens of what the world uh, is around you. Just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do, do your own thing. Yeah, tell me any, any other big advice from your mom. That's like very fascinating advice and so simple. And we all fall into the trap. We try to be somebody else. Like, you know, Gatorade taught us be like Mike. Why do I have to be, be like Mike when I can be Arjun? So any other well, piece of advice from your mom that's very important to you? Yeah, uh, well, she's Italian. So the second very big, big piece of advice is don't overcook the pasta. <laughs> <laughs>
Love that. No, there's there's a there's an Italian expression that says "chi va piano va sano va lontano," and I think this very it's very wise say, which translates to "who goes slowly goes surely goes far." Wow. It, it goes against the grain of a startup thinking where you're supposed to go fast and break everything around you, which, uh, of course, that's the dynamic you live in. But if you don't have a little bit of, um, of, of, of you know, that, that, that thinking of moving back a little bit and seeing the bigger picture and making sure that everything that you do is done properly and progressively without having to rush into things, stop, think, consider all the options and, and do things in a steady way that will give you the longest, uh, you know, lifespan. I don't think of Hotels by Day as a startup that needs to be done within the next, uh, I don't think it, I, I mean, this is a conversation between the two of us, right? It goes to nobody else. So allow me to just say this. Um, the investors should not listen to this. But they I would not, I promise you. Other okay. than everybody else on Facebook is listening. Uh, okay, good. I don't think of Hotels by Day as an exit. Like, I, you know, they, that's often a question that they ask me. They say, oh, how do you see the exit of this company? I, I, you know, I always hesitate because I don't. I see this company as a 100-year-old company that's going to be there for a long, long time. Probably in a different way, in a different fashion than what it is now. But I'm building for 100 years over. Now, if there's an exit before, you know, if it's a good one, why not? I'm not building for an exit. I'm building for 100 years over. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's part of that Italian thinking, which is you go slow and you go far by building. Uh, I love that. I love that. And I'm grateful for that wisdom from your mom is who goes slowly, goes surely and far. I had to write it down. It's absolutely amazing and brilliant. And I'm so glad you illustrated how you're looking at, because many a time I think startups look at an exit strategy and try to force the exit instead of building a brand. When you build a brand, exit may happen, may not, but you still are responsible for the brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So quick question for you is, you know, building something takes a lot of structure, a process, because success without a process cannot be repeated. Mm -hmm. Is there a structure or process in your life? The first thing you do when you wake up in your workday, last thing you do when you're wrapping up your workday that you're comfortable sharing? I would say the first thing I do when I wake up <clears throat> is uh, where's the coffee? <laughs> and the last thing I do uh, before I, when I wrap up my day is when is going to be the next cup of coffee the next day? <laughs> um, um, but more seriously, uh, no, I don't have any processes when it comes to that. Uh, no major insights uh, when it comes to, you know, how I start, what, what do I think when I start my day? But I do have an insight on what I do when I start my day, mm -hmm. which is exercise. Um, I wasn't much of a sports, you know, uh, kid or growing up. Like I, sports was never really my thing activities i was doing it just because i wanted to play but not necessarily as an activity per se mm -hmm. um, and coming with a european background which is in comparison to the american uh, school education has less activities and more uh, studious uh, boring processes and less of a you know going into sports type of thing so 
my background was never very active, unfortunately. But what I learned is that um, to be able to um, process uh, the fast-paced environment that a startup is, uh, you know, swimming in for an analogy for a sports analogy, um, I would say that um, doing an activity uh, rigorous as best as possible, running, bicycling. Um, uh, 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 you know, going to the gym uh, in the morning is for me has been uh, a game changer. Mm -hmm. I do recall uh, when I first picked it up, um, essentially when I was, it, it, and you know what, it was a necessity. Like I wasn't much of a sports guy before I launched Hotels by Day, but now I have on the daily basis now, even on weekends, I do my, yeah. my activity. Because it, it really, it drains you, it cleans your mind. It's that, you know, a lot of people are meditating to have a core and to be able to think straight. And I think sports for me is that meditation process. And it's meditation for my brain and for my body. So it's very important. I love that. And also on a lighter note, I'm just seeing 15 years, 20 years from now, your autobiography has two choices of titles. One is don't overcook the pasta. Or... <laughs> Where's the next cup of coffee? Because I really think both have a lot of symbolic meanings behind it. So Yanis, if you could step into my shoes, what else would you have asked yourself? Um, yeah, if I stepped into your shoes, I would say, uh, uh, mm, that's a good question. Um, I guess, what word uh, I, I heard you some of the uh, the other podcasts that you've ran and all great interviews, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so I, I'd like to um, possibly throw in this one, uh, which I was actually planning a little bit towards uh, uh, um, answering if that question came on. Um, what word would be out of my dictionary? Could that be a question? Do you mind if I ask myself that question? No. I do mind because I want to ask you the question is Yanis, what's the <laughs> word not in your dictionary? And secondly, if you hired me as an intern to work with you for a week, what would be a word or a phrase I'll hear you say most often? Uh -huh. So let's start with the words out of the dictionary. Um, and that word that really gives me the chills, it makes me mad is competition. Wh who is your competitor? It's something that I hate being asked mm -hmm. because I truly don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care at all because I'm not, again, just like, you know, that goes back to the earlier point, which is don't compare yourself to others. Uh, don't compare yourself to competition. Mm -hmm. um, just focus on your customers, focus on how happy you can make them and how, um, how, how, uh, how, how satisfied you can uh, give them that sense of, right? Of satisfaction, of, of being able to have had a great experience. Mm -hmm. So that is essentially the one word that just drives me nuts. And it, unfortunately, it's part of a conversation with uh, potential investors. They always want to know about how you're doing versus your competition. I don't have a really good answer when it comes to that mm -hmm. because I, I, I never look at what they do. I don't care, I, I truly don't care. That's one thing. Um, now, if you're my intern, mm -hmm. 
what is it that you hear most of uh, from me? Um, what I caught myself doing is to tell my interns all the time, uh, in the future, you'll be asked seriously to do this. And so let me teach you and let me show you how I'd like to see it being done Got or it. how I'd like to see it being written. I see with kids coming out of school that they can overly um, complexify, if that's a word. I mean, they can make that overly complex of, yeah. uh, of a, of a no, result. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so, so writing an email, for example, to try to solve an issue is usually like many paragraphs long. And I was like, try to reduce it to the core need. Mm -hmm. What is it that we're trying to convey? Um, so that, that I, I, I find this to be really a sense of liberating for them because they, they finally realize that it's all, it's not, it goes against what they taught in school, which is like the longer essay is the best. Whereas we are teaching them the fastest route to somebody else's brain and the way that they think between the two years in which you've implanted an idea is where we need to be all the time. So, 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 you know, I'm the editor in chief. I reduce words, I reduce thinking, I reduce everything to try to go into the core of the problem and the core of the, the solution. Yeah, as you're talking about, I'm just thinking of a GPS, my best friend when I'm driving somewhere. GPS gives me exactly what I need to know. Left turn, 0.5 miles, 0.3 miles, 0.2 miles, left turn now. If GPS told me, Arjun, nice yellow shirt today, man. And goes verbose, I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't need that. I just need to know where the next turn is. And the second thing, I think, you know, what you talked about is very fascinating on no competition in the sense that I know the business world always worries about competition. You know, it's somehow they feel that you need to be a step ahead. But you know, to me, I think the true competition is you. And one of the things, you know, in my book, Customer Pharma, as I was trying to bring analogies to world, to the business world with what we do in the personal life. You know, if I was single and I was going out with my would-be wife, Chitra, I would not look at who is my competition. I would look at myself and I just feel good that I'm the right person, believe in myself and move forward. Because if I was playing the game to outcompete competition, it just changes the game. Like it just the sincerity of the journey changes when you're playing, outplaying your competition instead of focusing on your end customer. So of course, you know, Yanis, this is a fascinating conversation. We can go for hours and you know, I have had some amazing conversations with you. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share or touch on? Uh, yeah, um, I do have a thought, but just to also share something about competition, you know, I, I think we have to understand that it's normal. It's a normal process of trying to compare ourselves. Um, but I think that's where the power of our brain of in modern civilization has to outdo what we are our basic instinct essentially which is you know we're we're essentially mimicking monkeys right we've that's how we've evolved is by seeing what the other guy's been doing and then trying to do the same thing mm -hmm. um but i, I think we are coming into uh, uh, moments in society and in modern society in which um the ability to overpass your 
basic instincts, your first sentiments. Mm -hmm. uh, the consciousness is so strong nowadays, you know, for the last 300 years, we've been talking about the consciousness, consciousness of man. And so now it, 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 we, I, I truly believe and I truly hope that we've reached a place in which we are able to surpass uh, our first thoughts. And I think in business, a basic instinct is what's going on with my competitor. Mm -hmm. And so if we can surpass that and we can forego that, I think there's a lot of progress in there. Love that. Now, now uh, uh, sorry, that, that might have hijacked the last, the final thought, because it actually was a, a, maybe a, a good thought to end with. But the final thought is essentially um, entrepreneurship is really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is seen uh, by the outside world that doesn't swim in it on a daily basis as this objective, a goal, and every entrepreneur is rich, and uh, every entrepreneur has the wise decision, and, and it, it's, 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 it's incredibly far from that. Mm -hmm. Most entrepreneurs are extremely poor, extremely hard, uh, you know, uh, uh, living in a very hard environments, um, and it's a very, very hard um, uh, placement, let's say, um, a very hard uh, situation to be in. Uh, it is, and so this is my last sentence. It is mentally draining, but enriching so much to the soul. Mm -hmm. So to whomever that is watching this, that is not necessarily an entrepreneur, that thinks that you know where we are today is a great place uh, that opens tons of riches. I would say this is not the objective, my friend. The objective is um, that you will grow uh, personally, tremendously from the experience of having to combat on a daily mm -hmm. basis, every single situation. Um, and, and that is the objective. Uh, everything else might come next, but the objective is for you to grow as a person. And I think that is the, 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 the entrepreneurship that we should be trying, that we should attempt to achieve today. I really love you sharing at the end from your heart, this message for future entrepreneurs, because each of us as entrepreneurs start leaving the corporate world where literally we are taking our own trash ourselves. Like, let's be totally honest. There's nothing glamorous about it. Like you start, you are the boss, you are the person serving yourself, you are the assistant, you are doing everything, but with a big dream. And I love that. I also feel that we found the title of your book now. It's not, don't overcook the pasta. It's not about what's the next cup of coffee or where's the next cup of coffee. It's all about, don't be a mimicking monkey. I love that title. So thank you, Anis, for an amazing, fascinating conversation. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Arjun. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So an incredible conversation, okay? So coming from a man who I really initially thought was a business category driver, but I realized that he's going to change the hospitality world, not going to, is changing the hospitality world. But the world did not want to say no. Customer wanted a yes. So he, through his amazing vision and processes, is making it possible for hotels to say yes. And I really think that in the whole world, when you see these big dominoes, when somebody finds the first domino and moves it, the ripple effect, how it impacts all future dominoes is obscenely large. 
So Yanis, I'm truly fortunate to have the best seat in the house to see and experience and witness what you're doing and changing the world. I wish you the very best. Thank and you. for all of you, thank you. Happy listening. And I'm very excited to have these conversations and very soon we'll have another conversation with another fascinating leader, but the next one would be tough to beat because this was, wow. Thank you again, my friend. Namaste. Thank you, Arjun. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.